2: On this episode, the Secret Pentagon's UFO study, recently uncovered by the New York Times. A leading Canadian ufologist discusses the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. They
0: got reports from all of these Navy pilots of uh, of these craft coming into the airspace and investigating the reports of these craft coming and going, and not just flying in the airspace, but going down into water submerging into water frothing foam in the in the seas developing you know waves and currents of of, uh, of of salt water and so these these pilots are just you know they're reporting these things and they don't know I mean, all they're doing is reporting what they're seeing
2: This podcast is brought to you by International Star Registry. Choosing a gift for someone special can be a daunting task. Whether it's a birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversary, or any other big day, you want a gift that's unique and perfect for that person who already has everything. International Star Registry can help. They've been providing unique gift ideas for over 25 years. International Star Registry lets you name an actual star in the sky after your special someone. Name a star after someone you care about and they'll remember it forever and never forget your thoughtfulness. The address is getarealstar.com. Getarealstar.com.
1: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads, exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of her supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett.
2: Well, it's Friday already. We are heading into spring. I thought the days were supposed to be getting longer, not shorter. Sometimes I feel like we're living at the speed of light. You know what I mean? Everything flies by so quickly, so much happening in the world. There's barely enough time to digest anything. Every day, it seems, some life-changing news story breaks, and then we go about our business as if it never happened. We're on to the next story. Take, for example, this secret Pentagon UFO study story that broke last December. It was a huge story. Basically, an admission by a Pentagon official that the U.S. Defense Department is concerned about and is studying UFOs and assessing their possible threat to U.S. national security. I mean, think about that. But then, since December, it's completely fallen off the radar, at least as far as the New York Times and the mainstream media goes. No real follow-up to a paradigm-busting story. How does that happen? Well, as I say, back in mid-December 2017, the New York Times ran this story that many in the UFO community considered an official disclosure of the UFO-ET reality. The piece described a secret UFO study being run out of the fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-Ring by military intelligence official Luis Elizondo, The Defense Department has never before acknowledged the existence of such a program, which it says it shut down in 2012. But its backers say that while the Pentagon ended funding for the effort at that time, the program remains in existence. For the past five years, they say, officials with the program have continued to investigate episodes brought to them by service members, while also carrying out their own Defense Department duties. The shadowy program, parts of it remain classified, began in 2007. And initially, it was largely funded at the request of former Senator Harry Reid, the Nevada Democrat, who was a Senate Majority Leader at the time, who has had a long-time interest in space phenomena. Most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by billionaire entrepreneur and longtime friend of Senator Reid's, Robert Bigelow, who's currently working with NASA to produce expandable craft for humans to use in space— On CBS's 60 Minutes back last May, Mr. Bigelow said he was absolutely convinced, quote, end quote, that aliens exist and that UFOs have visited Earth. Here to discuss is one of Canada's leading ufologists, Victor Vigiani, a retired school principal from Toronto, Canada. He has a Bachelor of Arts degree in sociology and psychology and a Master's in Educational Administration and Curriculum Development. Victor's research and analysis of anomalous aerial phenomenon spans over 30 years. His experience involves UFO sightings, report investigation, counseling work with individuals reporting anomalous experiences, presentations, and journalism in the field of ET disclosure issues. He is the executive director of ZLAN Communications. Victor Vigiani, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you?
0: I'm just fine, Richard, and it's just great to be with you. Thanks a lot for well, this opportunity to chat. For
2: those who don't know of the terrestrial radio show, you have been a longtime friend of the conspiracy show, but this is your first time aboard the new podcast. So, welcome.
0: It's just great. I'm, I'm actually just enamored by the opportunity of this uh, of this podcast, Richard. Just a, a really really good gig.
2: Well, we have not had a, a chance. I haven't had a chance really to address the uh, the secret ufo pentagon uh, mm-hmm. uh study on on the podcast so i thought who better to do it than with you one of the deans of ufology in canada and i wanted to get your thoughts on it but just sort of set the table for those who i guess have been under a rock since mm-hmm. december when the story broke in the new york times just yeah. fill fill people in on how this story broke the secret pentagon ufo study
0: yeah it's it's really kind of um uh, it's a very provocative situation, Richard. Uh, it's just not something that um, in any way, shape or form that we can minimize because uh, the Pentagon is is really backing this entire story. That's the bottom line, irrespective of what we talk about, you know, during the next, uh, you know, 30, 35 minutes, whatever. Um, people have to understand, your listeners really have to know that. Um, the Pentagon has acknowledged all of this information, and it's a very circuitous route around just about everything that people really want to know about the UFO ET issue. And I underline the word UFO in one way, but I also um, transcribe it into the ET issue because um, a lot of the stuff um, and some of the people that are um, sort of managing the output of this journalistically, and the number one would be Leslie Kane. Uh, moving towards this whole extraterrestrial understanding of what these UFOs might be all about, and so when the New York Times um, uh, published this uh, their first statement, uh, the article was written by uh, Helena Cooper and Leslie Kane and a fellow named by by the name of Ralph Blumenthal.
2: Yeah, longtime was, New York Times yeah, staff writer.
0: Exactly. So I mean, you have to figure that these these three people get together and sit down with Leslie Kane, who's probably the most definitive. And um, uh, I, I guess responsible uh, journalists within this this whole field, because her book went uh, to number twenty nine on the New York Times bestseller list. So what they did was they they wrote about this this whole UFO program that came out of the Pentagon, uh, and what they did was they described the program as um, the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, backed by the Pentagon, and it was. You, you got to know that there's six hundred billion dollars. Six hundred—that's just more than you and I make in a week, Richard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, um, that that kind of budget. You know, twenty. Uh, the the program was given twenty-two million dollars, and that's a pittance in this whole. You know, it's hard to find money, but they found out that this money was in fact black budget money. And they they gave this money to um, uh, to a group of people within the Pentagon to investigate the threat or the possible threats of these unacknowledged um, aerial phenomenon UAP that are you know presenting problems for the United States Air Force uh, on multiple fronts, both uh, you know within the continental United States and in uh, in the Middle East and around the world. So they were tasked with the um, Uh, with the investigation of looking at do these things, first of all, provide a threat to the United States, which that's always sort of like a canned thing that they do, and just what, in fact, are these things. So they went through a a program uh, from 2007 uh, to 2012, And this budget was allocated um, through the, uh, I guess, the the, the pressure that a fellow, a a senator named Harry Reid, in conjunction with Robert Bigelow, the magnate, uh, um, you know, the the billionaire magnate within the space program. uh, Oops, sorry, hang on. Yeah.
2: I had a page open on this story and the video went off, uh, the embedded video in the uh, story. Sorry about that. Hang on. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, start again. All right. So yes, Robert uh and Robert Bigelow who has been uh you know, as you say, one of the major um movers and shakers in Mm -hmm. these
0: these private space uh, programs. Exactly, yeah. So with Senator uh, Harry Reid, these two kind of got together, and what the dynamic was there, Richard, I really don't know, but the fact of the matter is that somehow Harry Reid and another Senator, uh, Ted Stevens, got $22 million to fund this program to investigate uh, the whole UFO, UAP, whatever you want to call it. I'm not sure exactly what nomenclature they used, but uh, in in a sense it was a study of UFOs. And so they got 22 million dollars to do this over five years, which is extremely significant. I mean, this is not something that happens every day. So um, that program went ahead and they, you know, they found out certain things about certain uh, ways that these UFOs um, come into the American airspace and how jets chase them and so on and so forth. And then part of the whole situation was a video released uh, through what they call a chain of command and it's interesting that 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 nomenclature is used the chain of command that means that this video the video that the Pentagon had about an F-18 jet chasing uh, some sort of UFO they went through it what they call a chain of command to authenticate what exactly happened with these two pilots in an F-18 monitoring and chasing this UFO and they they released a 34 second video of of um of this pi- these pilots chasing this thing and the the, the video is very profound and if you have a look at it it's it's pretty provocative they they see this thing they they got this infrared camera uh, looking at the at the um oblong shaped uh, UFO and it's doing all kinds of weird things in the sky and these pods are talking, what do you got there, buddy? Oh, I've got this, I've got that, I've got my gun. What's it look like now? It's changing its vector. And all of these sort of, uh, you know, veiled uh, descriptions of what this UFO is all about. Right, this is it, off
2: the coast of San Diego, what, a, 2004.
0: Exactly, 2004, right. F-18 jets up there. They've got two pilots in a, an F-18 jet. And uh, they're, they're watching this thing, doing all of these weird maneuvers. And some of them, Richard, it's like it was at 80,000 feet at one point. And all of a sudden, it's at twenty thousand feet in an instant, and uh, the, the the positive, "What is going on with this with this thing?" It's just a, an amazing, um, uh, you know, flight characteristics they've never seen before. So, in essence, what the program did was identify this particular video, plus others that they had in terms of, uh, if not video, just reports of uh, of UFOs. Um, uh, incursions within into the um, United States Air Force uh, airspace. You know, now, h- say. How, yeah.
2: how was this study group configured? Did they have just people out in the field interviewing people? Did they go through uh, defense department papers?
0: I mean, for example, how did, would this have differed from uh, Project Blue Book? Oh, this was much more thorough than Project Blue Book. Um, Luis Alessandro uh, the, the, the director of the program they had uh, reports from numerous pilots, Navy pilots uh, not just you know United States Air Force pilots there's a big difference between the Navy pilots and U.S. Air Force pilots which we could get into later but that's another story they got reports from all of these um, Navy pilots of, of, uh, of these craft um, first of all Um, coming into the airspace okay and investigating the reports of these craft coming and going and not just flying in the airspace but going down into water richard submerging themselves into water frothing foam in the in the seas developing you know waves and currents of of, uh, of of salt water and so these these pilots are just you know they're reporting these things and They don't know. All they're doing is reporting what they're seeing. So uh, it's quite clear that the reports of these pilots are are the foundation of what what the Pentagon is reporting. And within that, um, this whole program had the mandate to make assessments of what these things really were and to make some sort of determination as to what the level of threat for these objects were. That's the whole key. Right. They, They just didn't want to you know, catalog the reports and take videos or, you know, what the documents and all of that. They wanted to, um, in conjunction with the um, Defense Department in the United States, um, is assess the threat. That's the whole key word in that, the, the mm-hmm. advanced aerospace threat. What is the threat to the continental United States about this unidentified aerial phenomenon uh, situation? That, that's the whole key. They didn't really articulate extraterrestrial, although that's part of it. Um, They didn't articulate, you know, what what beings were on these crafts. Uh, all they're interested in, is this a threat to our national security? Which is, in, in, in my way, kind of a veiled opportunity for them to investigate this without really necessarily ascribing any kind of authenticity to the fact that these might be extraterrestrial in nature. And that, that, that I feel, is the, is the tipping point in this whole issue.
2: Well, surely back in the late 60s, during the Project Blue Book study, they must have had this kind of data. They wouldn't have had, you know, video the way they do right. now, but they would have had these kind of reports. Uh, and yet they came obviously to a complete, uh, completely different conclusion that there is no, no threat. It was obviously considered a bit of a, a whitewash. So the question then is, what's changed? Why are they now treating it seriously?
0: Well, I think the, the, the whole idea, well, there's, there's the multiple uh, number of aspects to the converging lines of evidence that I call it number 1 um it's different because the condon report back in the i guess it was the uh, late 50s or early 60s said well this is, there's nothing to this and that's the conclusion they they came to you move ahead through the 60s and the 70s without any real assessment of what's really going on and then you get Blinded by this whole Bigelow Reed um, DeLong uh, you know, Hal Putoff, and all the you know, To the Stars Agency's uh, investigation of this, and you realize that the 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 Pentagon and the inner circle of the United States government has been investigating this at a level that no that, that nobody really expected. So it's so different in the way that the information is coming forward. You've got ballistic missiles being shut down, as you know. We've, we've talked about. Yes. You know, that kind of stuff happening with regularity. You know, uh, Robert Hastings has, um, has a chronology of, of, of a dozen of these things happening. So all of the – it's so different from the initial reports in Blue Book and so much more substantial that this kind of evidence coming forward from the Pentagon, who's backed all this information with multiple numbers of videos – uh, captured by pilots is so much more substantial than anything that Bluebook could ever even imagine bring forward, and they they were trying to explain it, but they were also trying to uh, subdue the interest among the public about what this whole UFO ET UFO issue well, was that's, all about. That's what
2: I'm wondering whether, in addition to as you say, this convergence of of evidence, mm-hmm. whether there has just been a turnover in. I don't know. Let's say, for example, there, there is a majestic, uh, 12, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're charged with keeping a lid on the UFO ET reality. So then can we read into it that there's been a whole a changeover in, in Majestic 12, or there's a new group in there that's pushing for disclosure, or is that reading too much into this?
0: No, it's not at all. Not, not, not at all. Uh, what seems to be occurring, and I've talked to Grant Cameron about this, and to Stephen Bassett, two very close colleagues that we both, uh, you and I have interviewed. Both of them feel, um, as do a number of other um, U- UFO researchers, Nick Pope and so on and so forth, um, All of these um, intense researchers that are into this in in a lot more uh, differential way than I am, all of them agree that there are factions within the Pentagon who want this information out. And they're, they're in a minority. They are. But the fact of the matter is that this information has a foundational interest within the United States government. And there are people you know, investigators, agents, and so on and so forth, who literally want this stuff to come forward because they know, first of all, it's been secretized at the highest level of governance for sure, no, no doubt about that. And the fact of the matter is that the repression of this information is in opposition to freedom of speech, into jurisprudential information as to what citizens need to find out about what their governments are doing. There's so many different aspects to why this information has to come out that the... Um, I, I guess the political um, uh, c- compelling nature of this of this issue is is taking the front seat, and this Pentagon release by uh, by alessandro and, and and other people is sort of a faction within the Pentagon that says we need to get this information out, and how do we do it? And that's where I think uh, Tom Delong and his group at uh, uh, to the stars that's where they're working. that's where they're kind of putting pressure on individuals within the Pentagon say, listen, listen, guys, you know what, You we all know that this information is valid, it's authentic, but how do we put it out into the public uh, domain so that, first of all, it can be digested by media? That's the big the big point. And then, secondarily, understood by citizens. And I think that th- there's a very vacillating point between that as to how this information comes out. And th- this is why I think this is so important in terms of how the Pentagon really internally... There are factions there that want this information out. Uh,
2: and how, how, and why uh, was the New York Times chosen as the conduit?
0: Wow, that's. <laughs> you know what? I don't know the direct answer to that. However, what I what I can say is that Leslie Kane is the pivotal uh, fulcrum of the of this because of her. Um, her book, UFOs, um, government officials, and so on, go go forward and you know release this. Her book is such a a, um, a definitive um, description of what the UFO issue is all about. I think what the New York Times did with, with Ralph and 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 uh, and Cooper, um, they they really kind of wanted someone with credibility to come forward to support the. Uh, the idea that the United States government was up to their ears in this whole issue, and there's nobody better to prove that fact than Leslie Kane. And the, the number one thing, as far as I'm concerned, uh, well, there's two things: her her assessment of the Cometa report, the the the, the, the Cometa C O M Cometa report, and also um, the fact that her book went to number twenty nine on their own you know bestseller list there's nobody better than leslie to get this thing forward so in in essence they picked her brain to come forward and describe the authenticity of this
2: right and and, and helene cooper is the
0: pentagon bureau chief i guess at the time exactly yes that's right and i mean you've got sort of so many um intensely um integrated people in, into this whole thing and you You read it. I mean, if if there's someone who knows who knows nothing about the issue, reads that article, they have to say, "What's going on here? What's my government doing about this issue?"
2: And how did it how did it break? Did Alessandro uh, uh, approach Leslie Kane? Uh,
0: No. What what he did essentially was he resigned. He said, "I've had enough." You know, he said, "I've had enough of the secrecy." I can I can quote you you know chapter and verse of that. But essentially, what he did was i 'm resigning because there 's too much uh, uh, pressure to repress this information, and i 'm getting out of here. This is back in october of uh, of last year during the Trump administration, which I find very interesting, which we we'll talk about later if you want. But the fact of the matter is that i 've had enough i 'm getting out of this i don 't want to do any more of this and then from that, he flipped over into becoming part of the Tom Delong um, uh, uh, initiative. Yeah, we I should mention to Tom
2: DeLonge was the the front man for a popular uh, musical group Blink One Eighty Two. He signed. He sort of put all that aside and devote to devote his life to this UFO ET question, and has formed this group uh, to the Stars Academy.
0: Exactly. Yeah, which he, also he,
2: includes Hal Putoff
0: and and mm-hmm. uh, and others. Oh, a number of incredible individuals. And if anybody wants to look at the team this this man that that Tom Delong has assembled within this group it's just like wow it's it's like the a team it's like you your your five starters right off the basketball court immediately you know with slam dunks along the way right uh, now, and Hal you being one of them who's incredibly um, authentic
2: sure uh Stanford Research Institute working on the uh, the remote viewing mm-hmm. uh experiments uh with uh, Russell Targ and others now the fact that alessandro um Resigned and then went public. Uh, mm-hmm. Presumably, he would have had an NDA, non-disclosure yep. agreement. The yep. fact that they haven't gone after him uh, does that suggest that they they want this information to come out?
0: Well, I think there's a faction, as I mentioned earlier in in the um, in our discussion. I, many people. When I say many people, I'm talking about you know Stephen Bassett and Richard Dolan, and the people that I talk to a lot. They are convinced there are factions within the Pentagon who want this information out, so um you know when 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 Alessandro penned a letter to the defense secretary Jim mattis, saying uh, and complaining of the, that the potential of threat was, was is being ignored about this whole situation, he actually sent his letter his letter of resignation to Jim Mattis, the current defense secretary. And so what, what we've got here, Richard, is we've got someone within the Trump administration who knows that Alessandro has resigned because he's fed up with secrecy. And that is not being played out in the media. And, I, I, and for some reasons I know why and other reasons I don't know why. So why would Alessandro's letter of resignation, saying to Matt to say, I've had enough of um, the secret information about UFOs and all of this, why is that not playing out further? So there must be some sort of repressive uh, pressures within the administration to keep this under the radar so that Alessandro's resignation from a UFO program you know that that, that channels uh, air, you know, advanced aerospace threats. Well, the, but, you know, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious, and these guys don't want the information out. That's one faction. Well, the, but, the but other, these
2: projects this this straddles more. You know, two administrations. So, yeah, uh, you know, the occupant of the White House and his administration may not even have been read into this program. So, sure. Uh, sure. it's hard to say. You know, mm-hmm. but. I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned Stephen Bassett, and, of course, he mm-hmm. had a number of initiatives, these uh, uh, petitions uh, for the White House, to the White House, and one of them was sort of uh, answered uh, because they achieved the, uh, the, number, the, 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 number, the requisite number of signatures, and so they got a, re- mm-hmm. a reply. Uh, I'm not sure if that was from, uh, from Podesta or the science office or where, wherever it came from, basically mm-hmm. saying, you know, nothing, nothing to see here, folks.
0: Yeah, it was the science officer. You're right. right. It was. Yeah, there's nothing to see here it's an accident that's happened. But just move along, guys. Which is, is an absolutely inaccurate um, assessment of what's really going on. A total denial of the facts of the converging lines of evidence that, that we see. So the the overall assessment that I see in terms of the of the um, uh, the Senate, this guy, this this Senator Reid and Senator Stevens, the the, the way they um, got the money that's that's one you know people say follow the money right the way they got the 22 million dollars is really interesting because it was assigned to them under a black budget operation so that it was not something that anyone would want to acknowledge so i guess you know you you get that 22 million dollars and you go forward and you you know you incorporate robert bigelow into this and then on top of that just robert bigelow gets one of his buildings one of his huge buildings, modifies the building, Richard, to house metal alloys of crashed UFOs. Mm. mm. Interesting. It's right. <laughs> I mean, this is what's reported. I mean, uh, what do you make of that? Is this something that's sort of, you know, uh, fabricated by the Internet, uh, you know, trolls that say, well, hey, this would... No, this is absolute information that Robert Bigelow will attest to. And he was on 60 Minutes. That's right. CBS, you know, um, CBS uh, 60 Minutes, saying there is an absolute certainty that aliens have visited the planet. Now, take that for what it's worth, but, you know, he's entwined with all of this. Why would he make such a statement and 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 uh, sort of uh, risk his credibility in terms of his, his you know, international stature... Was saying that there's an absolute certainty that we've been contacted by by extraterrestrials. That's a pretty big statement. And then on top of that, some of the, these alloys that they that they've got housed in, in uh, Bigelow's uh, uh, buildings, <laughs> Hal Pudoff said something like this. This is really kind of interesting. He said something like, "It's like giving uh, Leonardo da Vinci uh, a uh, a garage opener, garage door opener." <laughs> <laughs> so Da Vinci would look right, at it, right. door and He examined the he examined the plastic folder around it, you know, the, the casing of it. He, oh, it's plastic. I don't know what plastic is, what's plastic, but he would not have any idea about the electromagnetic properties of that device. So we've got two levels of understanding here. We've got a device that can open doors, but it's got properties that he doesn't understand. So we're at a point in history where there's so much coming forward. That uh, we just don't understand what or why these extraterrestrial vehicles are doing what they're doing, and the Pentagon within the Pentagon, they're gra- it's like, you know, you like a duck in water. You know, you've got this duck floating along in water, but it looks really calm. Right but below the surface, the, exactly. You know, the fins are You know, they're paddling really, really hard. So that's what's happening here. There's so much below the surface that's going on that we really don't know about, and I think. Um, Alessandro's uh, release of this information and, and I guess, um, determination to make sure that the Pentagon's investigation about this stuff comes forward is really a determinant, as far as I'm concerned, towards um, a subtle or maybe not so subtle effort uh, by the Pentagon to um, to provide a foundation for disclosure, Richard.
2: Well, let me give you full disclosure on Life Extension Supplements. Your body deserves the best, but how do you choose the very best nutritional supplements or even know what's in them? Life Extension has been helping people stay healthy for over 35 years. Just like with the foods you eat, the quality, purity, and potency of the ingredients in your nutritional supplements, really do matter. Life Extension supplements set the gold standard for supporting weight loss, heart, brain, bone, joint, eye, skin, sexual health, and so much more. Their formulas are based on the latest scientific research and clinically validated dosages. That's one reason why 98% of their customers recommend Life Extension to their friends and family. Every Life Extension product is backed by a total satisfaction guarantee. The bottom line? Life Extension is the brand you can trust with your health. Check out Life Extension products with special savings. Visit SmartClickIdea.com. That's SmartClickIdea.com. SmartClickIdea.com.
1: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because of Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. (laughs) Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett.
2: Victor Vigiani from Zeland Communications is here, and we're discussing the Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. What do you make of uh, the term threat assessment? Because you know we have talked about this for years on the show you have mixed signals we have even coming out of, of hollywood we have uh et is is here you know uh, um, the sh- knights in shining armor to save us from ourselves free energy cures for cancer uh, and then we have the you know sort of the world of the world scenario mm-hmm. um and so this prob this program this study project is called Threat assessment. What do you make of that?
0: Well, I think there's, there's two aspects to this. First of all, let's put, put the Hollywood stuff aside for, just for a second here, and that's a very good point that you raised. I think that the way the United States government, the Pentagon or, or, or the DIA you know, or the D- Department of Defense, however they want to frame it, they are in charge of their airspace or they feel that they're in charge of their airspace. You know, the, the, the airspace over the United States and even to a point, you know, within the uh, entire North American theater there, they feel that they have complete control over the airspace from the Arctic down to Mexico and maybe even beyond that. That's their perception of how they can control or be perceived as controlling that airspace. What's happening is that underneath that surface, they have no control of these Unidentified aerial phenomenon, unknowns, uncorrelated targets. NORAD calls them uh, tracks of interest. These things are coming and going with impunity. So the thing the thing about that is, they do not want to admit that they have no control about these craft coming and going. And I think that's a that's a point that most people don't understand: is that the United States Air Force, you know, they've got jets that move what the CF18s move at six seven hundred miles. An hour. Certainly, yes, yeah. yeah. and 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 the people that are that have seen these things and have reported through the um, through, through this program, these things, Richard, are moving at ninety-six thousand miles per hour.
2: Ninety-six
0: thousand miles <laughs> per hour in our own atmosphere. Right, but we don't know how that happens. Even if a jet that we know of, with with the density of of, of metal that it has, if it breaks the sound barrier, fine, oh, that's great. But if it exceeds that, it keeps on going um, past that. Anything that exceeds a certain number of miles per hour will disintegrate in our own atmosphere. It'll burn up. We know that with you know with with craft returning from space, it'll burn up. These craft, whatever they are, they're moving in our own atmosphere without sonic booms, at up to 12 to thousand miles per hour and as um commander um uh, favor said in one of the interviews one of the people that uh, were, were viewing these things it moved approximately 96,000 miles per hour <laughs> now that's that's a what i call uh, a head wipe yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah it's just like i just don't understand that it can't happen but in fact what these craft can do and th- so in answer to your question why is it a threat It's a threat because we have the the, the United States Air Force, the United States government and all of the intelligence agencies do not have a concept that can uh, underlie or explain why these craft can come and go with A, the speed that they can do and the maneuverability they can do and the hovering capacity they can do. They just don't have anything that can be comparable to that. So you've got yourself a situation where there are really no good answers within the investigative procedures to to identify what these things might be a threat to. How how so. far back
2: did A-tip go? Did they go back for example to uh the late 60s and Melmstrom air uh these nuclear sites where we had sh- missiles being shut down uh in in North Dakota and, and elsewhere because I mean to me uh you know that that's pivotal. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure what the parameters were yeah. of a tip, but did they go back that far?
0: No, they didn't. Uh, from my, from my assessment, and the reading of everything, it's been sort of something, that uh, this happened back in this, in, in this, they, they may have done it. This is happening. You know, what you're describing was happening back in the, in the 60, 65, 67. Um, you know, Robert Salis and I've talked a lot about that. We've been, we, we've, you know, you and I both in, in, interviewed Robert. Yes. This was happening back in, in the sixties. I don't, my information is they, they, they've they really not gotten into that kind of information. It's more so the current stuff as to what um, the Air Force and Navy pilots are really seeing right now. They've not gone back that far. If they did, which they may have, but they're not releasing to us. The Other intelligence agencies might have gone into it. But what this current program did was investigate things uh, more currently. And I think that that is... Kind of an update as to where this whole UFO ET issue might reside, and I think we're, we're lucky because they really haven't depended on this, that historical information that um, that you and I have, you know, in, right. and, you know, you know, interviewed many, many people about. And that's the, the one thing that I think is really important in this. This is current information. It's not historical. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love documents that go back to 1952 to talk about what you know, the Canadian. Or Yugoslavian government know about UFOs. That's great stuff. But now we have much more current information as to how the United States government is considering this information as a current threat. Now, that's their interpretation of it. I mean, my interpretation is that this is not a threat. It's just an incursion of other craft from wherever um, to observe what's going on on our planet. I know we can get into that discussion later on, but the United States government has this propensity to look at everything that they don't know about as a threat. Right. That's, na- that's the nature of the United States government. It's just, We see it now in the current administration and even in, in previous administrations. Everything that they don't understand, they consider a threat. Sure. But, you know, I mean, that's the nature of... of, of 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 governance these days that's
2: that's how national security operates you have to assume that you have to yeah yeah uh so any after scouring these reports anything in there that hints at uh propulsion systems free energy
0: anti-gravitics yeah well the description of um, if i can pull it up here I, i i'm looking at the description of um uh commander flavor he's he was a very pivotal individual. He's a, he's an Air Force pilot. Uh, this is
2: part of the USS Nimitz strike group
0: off of exactly San Diego. Right. Yeah, and and what what they describe is as I mentioned earlier, is these craft moving up and down, left and right, at you know at incredible speeds. Um, Hal Puthoff, uh, one of the people who is uh, uh, integrally involved with Tom DeLonge's initiative, um, I, I've, I've you know I respect this man so much. He is a He is a very dedicated, um, unbiased, underscore the word unbiased, uh, provocateur of this whole idea of quantum physics with respect to what this energy source might be that these propulsion systems or these UFOs or UIP use. And um, he has made it very, very clear, Richard, that uh, whatever the propulsion system is, it's demonstrated by a number of their their flight characteristics: they can move up and down, blink out, go left and right, rotate, uh, move at speeds that are absolutely blinding with their own, you know, with respect to our own capabilities. You know, like I mentioned earlier, ninety-six thousand miles. How do you do that within our own atmosphere without burning up? Mm. You know. Hmm. So what, what he's proposing is that this energy source, whatever it might be, represents a leap of understanding. About the quantum level of physics in the cosmos, and his understanding of it is, and we're talking about a physicist who really kind of knows what he's talking about he what he proposes is and not he's not the only one either is that whatever this free energy is in the in the cosmos, whatever it is, this connectivity this this quantum vacuum, this interconnected interconnectivity is something that these UFOs or these extraterrestrial races have have mastered. That, if this free energy could be quantified could be quantified and put it put it in a cup, one cup of this energy can boil all of the oceans of the world
2: that's what kind of energy we're talking about that's potential the kind energy, of energy.
0: Mm. I mean that is an absolutely um bizarre paradigm shift of any understanding that you and I would mm. have of how You fill up your car with with, with gas and it lasts you 400 kilometers. This stuff is whatever it might be. And as a result of how Putoffs and other peoples, Tom Violette, there's a whole lot of people who've investigated this anti-gravitic stuff. Yes. Whatever this quantum energy is can propel systems, extraterrestrial or even ours, to a point where we can travel at or beyond the speed of light without any kind of transference of physical energy whatsoever and that is something that i think the human race and and politicians and you know governments have to digest in order to understand what the extraterrestrial issue is all about right. this may be you know a paradigm shift that we're we're never going to be able to get our minds around so i mean once you move beyond ufo's and what it really means i think your question about what the propulsion systems are is the key issue as right. to what this is all about. It, do we know? To
2: me do, do we know it. how much debris Bigelow has in his in these hangars? and And has he said anything
0: else about it? And is he going to let us see it? I, I, you know what? I I don't. You ask a question that when I was reading this this afternoon, Richard, and I looked at the the fact that he has sort of you know modified his buildings to house this stuff. Um my answer to that is, I don't know. I really don't know. But the fact of the matter is that if this man has this stuff, these alloys, whatever these alloys are, and people always ask, is there proof about, you know, do they leave ashtrays behind and all that kind of stuff? If Bigelow has this stuff in a storage room someplace, this these alloys have to be analyzed in the most unbiased format possible to say this stuff doesn't exist here on the planet, and once that happens, that could be the next step. And if Bigelow has, uh, if he wants to move beyond sixty minutes, he has to open the doors to those those modified buildings, which he says he has. And Alessandro has said that he's got this stuff in these storage facilities. That could be the next step in understanding what these alloys might be, what they represent, and how they kind of figure into how these craft do what they do.
2: Well, I'd like to know where where this where this debris came from. Does this mean that there have been recent uh, uh, UFO retrieval operations and recent crashes of unidentified aerial phenomena?
0: Well, from what I understand, and this goes back to Stephen Greer's um, investigation with several um, uh, military and intelligence agencies, witnesses, this has gone back a long way with craft um, crashes and how they, how the United States government has kind of gone in and swooped up the uh, the debris from certain crashes, you know, going back to 1947 with Roswell and so on. There's been a number of crashes. And where they've got this stuff, who knows? But if Bigelow has this stuff, that's a different story altogether. And that that could be the next physical, like the, the, the most uh, – proficient way that we could describe what somebody has in their back pocket about this. Not the United States government but a guy named Robert Bickelow. And if he wants to come through and have people assess, analyze, investigate what, the, what, the, what the, these alloys are, then that could be the next echelon of disclosure uh, as to how the, the, the Pentagon says, okay, we've got the goods here but we, we're going further. We can say to you that the alloys that we have don't represent anything we have here on this planet
2: last question so, uh, go ahead new york times this broken what december mid-december december 16th or something like that yeah well we're almost three months in where's the new york times why don't they have a regular uh a, a section i mean we're looking at failed business models in print journalism <laughs> everywhere <laughs> uh i For mean sure. this could be their
0: saving grace mm-hmm. you know what that that question plagues me all of the time. Why does a nationally respected you know, journalistic enterprise like the New York Times float this out at one point, you know, with Leslie Kane and, and, and Blumenthal and, and Cooper? Why do they float the balloon and then the balloon just sort of suddenly sort of descends and just sort of goes into anonymity? It just sort of goes nowhere. And that's the nature of this issue. And if there is a, a factor within the, the New York Times or even the Washington Post that can resurrect these kinds of issues and maintain the authenticity of this issue, then we can have something. And I've always been, and you and I have talked about this many times before, the only way around this issue is media consistency. The media has to pick up this issue like they did with Watergate, you know, uh, and, and keep mm-hmm. on going with it to a point where they nail down the perpetrators and say, here's what's happening. And then on top of that, what happens is the general public buys into the fact that, you know, President Nixon was a criminal, you know, uh, and, and, and they, you go forward with that. They had a tough time buying the fact that uh, Haldeman and Ehrlichman and, and John Dean were complicit they had a very difficult time in understanding that, but when the information was presented to them, everyone agreed that these guys were criminals, and they did something against the constitution and they were all kind of turfed out. It's the same thing with this: once the authenticity of this issue becomes um news like anything else you know that that we that, that we contemplate, it has to become regular news, Richard. It's not just, you know, peripheral kind of musings about what these UFOs are. It has to become mainstream news to a point where everybody is consumed by it. Much like if you watch MSNBC today, all they report about is what Donald Trump is all about. And it's just, you know, whatever, however they report, people are consumed by this information. And they they listen to the tweets. They listen to Fox News. The, The UFO issue has to... Become that kind of resurrection of of of, um, of intellectual uh, consideration and and media consideration. Once this issue rises to that level, then I think we can kind of guarantee that with the evidence that we can provide, this issue can retain itself as a, um, as, a as a maintained substantial. Uh, identifiable and authentic issue within the within the mainstream media. Until that happens, it'll always be like a substructure of of, of conspiracy. You know, yes or no. Maybe this is that. It's it, you you have to you have to really understand that if it if it floats to that level uh, of of authenticity then it'll be considered. If it doesn't, it'll never reach the population uh, to uh, to a point where people really consider You're right. it. It's, it's it You're right. It's, and it's, once it
2: does, there's no looking back and things will never be the same.
0: Exactly. It's 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 like, you know what I say? It's, it's often tough to understand, Richard, that it's hard to tell when they're loosening the screws or tightening them. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can go one way or another with this, this can either be the most provocative issue of our time, or or it'll just fade away as a nothing. And and I think you know which side of the, of the coin I'm on. I'm oh yes, on. yes. But that's the way that this, this issue can uh, can be um, can be uh, kind of proffered or at least presented to the American public and to the world. Right. And I think yeah. It's, in it's, in, in it's, the meantime, it's, we wait. In the wait, yeah. You know, we, we've done this for so long and. Uh, it's a very difficult issue to, you know, it's it's like, you know, you, you swim in water and you can do the breaststroke and you do the, the crawl and in regular water and you really kind of propel yourself forward or you can swim in a vat of honey and mm-hmm. just sort of just. No, but you can it, tell this time is different. Things are changing. It, it seems to be that way. We're on, on the cusp seen. of something
2: or nothing. And uh, only time will tell. Only time will tell. Yeah, Vic- for sure. Victor,
0: thank you so much. Oh, it's been a pleasure, Richard. Thank you very much. And, and uh,
2: tell us about Z- Zealand uh, Communications. How do we read your blogs?
0: Well, just go, just Google Zealand Communications. That's all you have to do. Is put Z L A N D Communications into your uh, into your search and uh, search browser, and you'll come up with our website. And we've come up with them pretty provocative things over the last couple of days that uh, I've, I've uh, put forward, and you'll be able to read all the stuff, both on this issue and uh, and a lot of other stuff. So uh, we, we thank you very much for your support, Richard, and it's just great to be with you.
2: You too. Thanks, pal.
0: Before I dim the
2: lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'm going to fill you in on what's in store for episode 41 of Conspiracy Unlimited. Before that, we have our weekly draw for my Strange Planet CD, and I'll reach into the enormous cheese puffs jar and pull out a name in just a minute. I have to tell you, I didn't eat any of the cheese puffs in that jar. My twin boys took care of that, but they don't have to worry about their weight. I do. And it's a constant struggle. And now I understand why it's so hard. It's about changing behavior, not just changing the food you eat or your exercise routine. Unfortunately, the commitment to weight loss often fades. Most people simply give up in the first 90 days. So the key is having the right mindset. Getting thin and staying that way lies in our thought processes. And hypnotherapy can make all the difference. Now, clinical hypnotherapist Dr. Steve G. Jones has created a set of five audio hypnotic sessions that apply the power of hypnosis to reprogram the mind and replace bad habits with vibrant positive new habits and help you achieve natural and long-lasting weight loss. Weight loss hypnotherapy really works and it's available now at a special discount. Isn't it time to lose those extra pounds? Check out Weight Loss Hypnotherapy right now Now at SmartClickSavings.com. That's SmartClickSavings.com. All right, here we go. All right, pull one out. And we have... Uh, Dimitri Poulos in Chicago, Illinois congratulations Dimitri I'll drop your CD in the post straight away uh, incidentally if you want to get in on the weekly draw it's real simple just rate and review this podcast grab a screenshot email it to me at richardserat1 at com, and don't forget to include your name and mailing address and then your name will go into the weekly draw every Friday another winner good luck Coming up on episode 41 of Conspiracy Unlimited, The Secrets of Gravity. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.
1: A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now.